Demonic possession is no new concept. Rumors of alleged possession cases have been whispered in hushed tones echoing through the halls of history spanning the depths of time and woven throughout religious cultures all around the world. Although the word exorcism may stir up a very particular mental picture for you today, ripe with vivid imagery imprinted on your mind from popular movies such as The Exorcist or The Conjuring film franchise, tales of exorcism can be found all throughout human history. In the 1850s, 30,000 cuneiform tablets and fragments were excavated from the site of Assyrian king Ashurbanipal's royal library in Nineveh. Among the legal and historical texts, many of the tablets describe medical and magical practices, including that of the exorcism. Today we're going to be discussing demonic possession and exorcisms, and that is Freaky Deaky, Season 2 Go. Welcome back to the Freaky Deaky season two. Heather is in a chair. Finally back. She is joining us. We didn't fire her or murder her or whatever the theories were out yeah, there. I didn't silently exit the podcast. That's I just true. have kids. And, no. and summer is a time for fun. Yes. So welcome back. That is not what the script says. No, I know. No. It was really more or less just, I didn't want it to be boxed in, Christian. I'm not trying to be like, welcome back to season two of, you know, I could do that with effects later on. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. I hate when that happens. True. Would you like me to just read it from the script? No, no. I'm just giving you a hard time so people know that while we read stories, we're not often scripted. Yeah, usually. We, yeah, the stories are scripted. Everything else is kind of just like, meh. Yeah. I don't Here's know what you guys are talking about, but I thought like the 20-minute lizard conversation we had was totally scripted. It was. Written in there. Yeah. So. Yeah. The people are really going to get kick out of this, right? Yeah. yeah. Lizard people. Remember what, it was oh, reptilians. We, no, we just it's talked both. about actual reptilians yeah reptiles for That's a while right. yeah on podcast and totally scripted until like the vein in scott's head was about to explode yeah it doesn't take much these days your boy is tired what was your favorite thing about summer break just it was fun to experiment and do different things and just see you know what came out what we came up with and yeah you know we started really working on youtube so that's been fun and We'll be doing more of that, but it gave us a, enough time and freedom to try different things. And, yeah. and I, I think, and then having Alex and Chris jump in there. Oh yeah. That was fun to have, have them there. It's always fun to have people in the studio. Yeah. Was, we missed you, Heather, when you were here. The, you I know, here but you guys crushed it. It was really fun seeing the YouTube growth, watching yeah. you guys really learn this video gig side of oh, it. Yeah. But you guys are crushing it. I felt really bad a lot of times. Like, I you know, many apologies. Sorry. Because <laughs> I just would see your guys' conversations going off in our group text. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm over here. I still exist. Yeah. No. Yeah, you weren't forgotten, Heather. We, we knew you were taking care of business. You were on assignment. That's right. Definitely. And vacation. But yes. vacation's over. Yes, That's back right. to the grind, ready for season two. True. Got a lot of th I feel like that came up faster than we were ready for, but it did. we got a lot of big things we want to do. I honestly can't believe that we've been doing this for like a, a year now. I know, That's October, October That's will be insane. a year. Literally one day after this releases, well, tomorrow, it'll be 
right? Or was it October 2nd? Who had irrelevant? Who cares? October 1st. October 1st. Spooky yeah. Season. So tomorrow is technically the one year anniversary of the launch of the Freaky Deaky. And here we are in a studio again, ready for more. I'm excited. Um, just before we get started, subscribe on YouTube. If you haven't already, it's super easy. It's a button. You push it. There you go. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, at Freaky Deaky Pod, except for TikTok is at TFD Paranormal. But you know that because you listen every week, and I say it every week. Should we dive on into the episode? Let's do it. Should we get possessed? The sources for today's episode include the books Real Demonic Possessions and Exorcisms by Zachary Knowles. Great book. I Conjure Thee, Thou Old Serpent by Joseph P. Laycock, and of course, the usual suspects in Wikipedia and Reddit. Now we got all that boring stuff out of the way, let's dive in. The first story is titled Terror in Colonial America, and it is from Zachary Knowles, Real Demonic Possessions and Exorcisms. I love Colonial America. I know, I know you did, and I was like, we gotta step it up for Christian. He's gotta, he's gotta get more colonial times in his life. Priscilla Johnson was a teenage girl living in 1670s colonial America. A lean, intense, outgoing blonde 16-year-old, she was working for the household of the local pastor to bring in some extra income for her family. However, it would seem the devil was waiting for her right outside the minister's home. Her nightmare began with odd behavior observed by the pastor's family not long after Priscilla started working for them. They claimed she exhibited sudden changes in facial expressions, speaking of someone that simply wasn't there, an unreasonable, hysterical laughter which often became so violent she fell to the floor. This behavior went on for a few weeks until a sudden escalation one night at her home. Priscilla began screaming out in terrible pain, grabbing different parts of her body in terror. Her family didn't think much of her behavior, even when she grabbed at her throat choking, perhaps feeling it was a bid for attention though it was all too real to Priscilla. Soon Priscilla began experiencing seizures in which her body twisted and she was only able to say the words money, misery, and sin. Oddly enough, she was fully aware during the seizures, even able to repeat what others said in her presence. However, she still remained uncontrollable over her body as she thrashed around on the floor. Her long blonde hair whipped through the air as her limbs twisted into unimaginable, painful contortion. This finally concerned her parents enough to contact the pastor. Way to go, parents. They all agreed this seemed to go beyond merely vying for attention, which I would say, yeah. I yeah. think that makes sense, right? Vying for attention, as I was looking over some different cases, seems to be, especially older cases around this time, in between here and the 1800s, yeah. a parent are always, my child's vying for attention. <laughs> they, just, they just didn't pay any attention to their children growing up. They're like, uh, what did you say my name? Get out. Yeah. It's, Where's it's, the pastor? I, I think it's a, a, a weird thing and maybe just a different way of parenting back then. I'm yeah. sorry, but if you're like screeching, don't have control of your body, making animalistic noises, that is a huge show for attention. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I wanted my parents' it, attention at times, but I never took it to that level. Yeah, and I don't think I'd be able to. That's a lot of energy to exert. Yet at some point you just kind of give up and fall on the floor and be like, just love me. Right. Good to know you can always call the pastor. Yeah. Next time your kids act now. Middle of the night, you got that number on. Possessed. Got that number on speed dial. Oh yeah. You will after this episode, probably. Right. Another abnormal fact of the seizures is they didn't seem to weaken her at all. She was stronger and more energetic after the seizure than she was before, which is quite the opposite of a purely physical seizure. Her strength became so omnipotent, it took almost six full-grown men to pin her down on the floor so she wouldn't hurt herself. 
especially near the open fireplace, a seemingly favorite target for whatever was controlling her body. That's what, that's definitely one way to get attention is throw yourself into a fire. Yeah. Uh, be, besides having the ability to hear those around her, she could later identify people in the room through her eyes. Or no. <laughs> Whoa, you good? You don't say. That's how I she identify people. She had some superpowers. Yeah. Seeing people through her eyes. Way to go. Okay. Besides having the ability to hear those around her, she could later identify people in the room, though her eyes were clamped shut, even if the people were silent. The seizures would intensify when the pastor came into the room, though with her eyes closed, she had no way of knowing he had entered. The seizures were not the worst part of Priscilla's experience. As her possession progressed, other strange symptoms manifested. In between seizures, she would leap around the house making animal sounds ranging from a barking dog to a bleeding sheep. Should emphasis on bleating, not bleeding. Well, it might make the same sound for both. Additionally, she was overcome with murderous urges. It began with her parents, but then included her neighbors and the pastor's children she attended. Disturbingly, it was... Oh, I really put way too much emphasis in the beginning. <laughs> I was like, disturbingly, it was. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> disturbingly, it was the youngest child that was the focus of most of her obsessions. These homicidal cravings were so strong, it took all the willpower she had remaining not to act on them. This, according to Priscilla, was one of the most frightening aspects of her experience. When her symptoms worsened, she was taken to live at the pastor's home under the care of his family. One night after arriving, Priscilla awoke with the horrifying homicidal impulse raging through her. As if her very blood was on fire, she couldn't get the idea out of her mind. Weakened from months of fighting these battles, she gave in. With access to a bill hook, a uh, sickle-like device, it did actually have to look that up. I'm like, what the hell is a bill hook? So with access to a bill hook, she silently crept out of bed and headed down the long hall to the pastor's bedroom. Convinced he was asleep, she was prepared to kill him. However, he was walking along the hall when he encountered a very strange acting Priscilla. She discreetly tucked the bill hook out of sight beneath the folds of her gown and made an excuse for why she was in the hall. Frightened yet relieved, she headed back to her room. Fortunately, the murderous rage had receded. It would be several weeks before the pastor found out how close he came to being murdered. These murderous urges were not just limited to others, however. Many times Priscilla struggled with suicidal thoughts and impulses going as far as, as to perch on the edge of a well, preparing to jump in until something distracted her and the urge disappeared. She also fantasized about hanging herself, but never succeeded in fully putting these fantasies into action. Priscilla finally revealed Satan had appeared to her multiple times while she was working and later living under the pastor's roof. It all started when she ventured into the pastor's cellar to retrieve some supplies. There, she saw two strange figures, but frightened, ran upstairs. She had someone else go down to the cellar with her, but they saw no one. This person did say, however, he noticed Priscilla talking with someone, though they were alone. Priscilla claimed her mistake was greeting the one she believed to be Satan with the words, quote, what cheer, old man? <laughs> Apparently, a seemingly innocent greeting gave the evil being access to her mind and later her body. According to her, Satan appeared to her multiple times. In his hands, he always held a book filled with the contracts he made with individuals, signed in blood, and he wanted her to make a pact with him. Also, Priscilla said he pointed out her discontent in life, living in a small town, being from a relatively poor family, having to work for the pastor, never having any hope of seeing the world and he promised her some very tempting things, such as a chance to see the world, access to great wealth, fashionable clothes, and never having to work again. The dream. That is the dream. Priscilla said she never made a league with the devil, 
but later statements seemed to contradict that claim. She did admit he would often appear when she was the most discontented with her life, depressed, weary of her work, and longing for excitement. She also admitted she would listen to him rather than fleeing from him, for he always seemed sympathetic of her plight. Priscilla's claims would alternate between those of terror at the sight of the devil to confessing of purposely staying late at work to go home after dark, thus having a better chance of encountering the devil. He would appear to her in the shadows of darkness on her way home, alone, walking, talking, and sympathizing with her in order to tempt her. She later confessed she had traveled with him on at least two occasions, she on horseback and he in the form of a large, menacing black dog that followed close behind. The devil wasn't the only being she saw. Later on, she stated, to her horror, she had witnessed more demonic creatures than she had ever witnessed humans. These creatures were somewhat human in form, but loathsome, deformed, and mutated to the point they were horrifying to gaze upon. Not all of these demons merely appeared either. Some of them would bite her, strangle her, speak to her, and throw her down on the floor. Apparently, at least one of these creatures was visible to another young lady too. Many Christians in the community prayed and counseled Priscilla, including her pastor, but they all had the same question in mind. Was Priscilla truly possessed? A local physician was called to evaluate her and his initial opinion, based on the limited medical knowledge at the time, was her possession was due to stomach problems and bad blood. He went so far as to say the bad blood caused dangerous fumes to collect in her brain, which was the source of all her problems. He prescribed her a curative, which likely seems to have been some type of tranquilizer. The seizures grew less frequent and less intense and Priscilla was sent back home to her parents. Her problems were not over. Over time, her behavior became odd all over again and she began to alternate between being glad she was free of the demons and being sad she no longer had visits from them. Soon the seizures began again in force, exhibiting the same impossible contortions with the same awareness of her surroundings. This time, however, Priscilla couldn't speak at all. Her tongue was arched up to the roof of her mouth. Her tongue would remain in that position for hours at a time, with even the strongest of men and unable to dislodge it from this position. As her condition worsened, they called for the pastor again. From that point, she began what can only be described as a descent into torment and madness. The seizures began to last for hours at a time, and her behavior in between became more erratic and senseless. She had to be watched closely because of multiple suicide attempts, yet those watching her had to be careful because of her violent attacks upon them. When she did succeed in harming someone, she would laugh with devilish delight. The pastor and Priscilla's family, it seems, had begun to doubt that she was truly possessed. Priscilla would confess to something one day, then recant the next, and then confess something similar a few days later. They began to suspect that this was all an attempt to gain attention, like her family believed at the very beginning. However, their minds would be changed. One fateful Sunday, Priscilla's seizures started afresh, but suddenly her tongue was drawn so far out of her mouth it seemed physically impossible. Her body, very bloated and fleshy, began to bend and twist as if she were a circus contortionist. Then a new voice came forth from her lips. It was a deep, guttural, aggressive, masculine voice that mocked them for attending church that Sunday morning and called the pastor a loathsome liar. Probably true. There you go. That's the spirit, Christian. <laughs> the family immediately called for the pastor out of fear. When the pastor arrived, he was seriously taken aback. Nothing in Priscilla's behavior up to that time pointed so clearly to demonic possession. 
The pastor would later admit he was frightened, having never dealt with demon possession up close and personal, and he could no longer deny the demonic overtones of what was happening. Subsequently, the evil voice coming from Priscilla began to name those present and then list every secret, sinful act he or she had committed in the past, even those Priscilla had no way of knowing. This frightened many present, needless to say, and pointed once again toward demonic powers. When confronted as to whom he was, the spirit answered, I am a pretty boy and this is my pretty girl. This chilled Priscilla's parents to the very core. This evil thing was claiming that their younger daughter, or that their young daughter, this evil thing was claiming their young daughter as its own property. Those present began to pray for Priscilla's deliverance. She would become quiet during those times, but the instant they stopped praying, that same demonic voice would begin to speak. The battle continued for several more days until everyone involved was worn out. Over time, the seizures became less severe, but she never regained the ability to speak. The evil spirit eventually quit speaking through her, and it only took one person to keep an eye on her for her own safety. Sadly, Priscilla never fully recovered. Woo, I did not expect it to take as long as it did to read. I should have timed that one out. Good grief. Welcome to season two. It's it a good story. one, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, a pretty, it's a pretty good story. What do you have to say about it? Not much. I just said everything about it, man. I I need someone else to talk for a couple minutes. Take it over. I mean, I, I'm not always the biggest to believe, but you know my family growing up Catholic, and mm -hmm. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, Yeah. and I wish my grandma was alive to ask her about it, but her friend, who was a nun, talked about being thrown around the room, feeling the presence of the devil, and going through possession herself. And that's always freaked me out since I was a little kid. Like something about when you get into possession, I'm like, don't mess with that. And Spooky. I grew up with like, I mean, my parents to this day still have like bottles of holy water in their house and stuff. And that just, you don't mess around with that stuff. Yeah. Like if yeah, I start a, hearing Latin and demonic and guttural yeah. noises, like, oh, it freaks me out. It's, it's a spooky topic for sure. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, I know a lot of it seems like it's, you know, dramatized. That's the word, right? Dramatized. Dramatized. Yeah. Is are you are we sure? I don't think dramatized is the word. It's dramatized. Yeah. What? Why do? Why is the first thing for me to say is always dramatized? I like to elongate it's spelled, it's spelled words. The same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> dramatized. Yeah. I feel like in in movies and and TV shows and stuff, it's always dramatized where you're like, there's no way that could happen. But then you actually hear stories of people that have either been in on exorcisms. Or, you know, had a family member that got possessed one day <laughs> as it happens. Yeah, she said it, it was like throwing her around the room. Yeah, that's intense. Like, yeah. I don't know what else could throw something around a room. No. Uh, jump in. Please do. And say this seems a lot like epilepsy and mental health issues to me. Being thrown around a room in this particular story. Oh, in this one. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, yeah, that works. But I was, I was more or less being like, I don't know oh. what throws people around rooms. And you're like, epilepsy. Shame on you. No, no. I mean, <laughs> the girl obviously had seizures, and she saw things that weren't there. So to me, it feels a lot like normal health issues and mental health issues, which is what I'm going to tell you. I will go toward almost every every so single time like when it comes to ex exorcism. Schizophrenia with a side of epilepsy is what you're telling me. Or, you know, it, you can't diagnose somebody from a story, but, and I'm not. Well, it sounds like you just did. And I'm not that type. I don't have the education to even diagnose somebody like that. But I think most skeptical people would say that it is a form of 
mental health issues. What I mean, I, no, you know what? We'll we'll get around to that later on in right. the episode because we are actually introducing a new segment in season two, and that's at the end of each episode. We usually just go at each other until one of us gave up and we're like, all right, whatever. The end. You know, we're gonna be testing out just uh, getting a final skeptic thought on pretty much everything you heard in the episode. Right. And so that's gonna be led by Christian. Obviously, that'd okay. be weird if I did it. But <laughs> yeah. So what you just heard was a teaser for the end of the episode. Yeah. So stay tuned, guys. It's coming. I promise. For for now, I believe. Well, you know, the nice thing is people that don't want to hear a skeptical point of view can stop listening at that point. Yeah. Just for fast forward to the outro music. Yeah. Should we just be like, right now you're going to hear the wrong yeah. view. But yeah. if you want to keep listening. Music yeah. In it, be like, <sighs> but here's the thing. That this is why they should listen. Because there's going to be times when the skeptic becomes a believer. Oh, yeah. We've, we've, we've seen, seen that. Yeah. So... You might want to listen, whether you want to hear the skepticism. I think what I always find interesting about possession is like what we've been taught in religion growing up is that the devil does like prey on those things you want. And like when you're hearing these stories repeatedly, like he was telling her everything. If you come to my side, I'll give you what you want, what you're longing for. Yeah. And then when you hear about a priest coming in the room or the pastor, and that's when this thing ramps up. I mean, it starts to make you really believe. And like I said, my my grandma's friend, I mean, it would be different if you were using these as stories to ward off children. Like yeah, go to church yeah. or the devil's gonna get you. She was telling my grandmother, like that wasn't a kid and it wasn't something I was told as a little kid. I mean, it wasn't until my mom was like, yeah, I mean, your grandma had this friend that you. was a nun <laughs> and she was getting thrown around a room and yeah. I don't know what it is, but. But it's freaky deaky. Yeah. One of the best things the church ever did was, and probably the one of the first times they branded something was when they branded the devil. The devil's yeah. Kept them in business ever since. Yeah, you would think that, wouldn't you, Christian? God, this guy. <laughs> this guy, a real wet blanket on our conversation, Heather. I'm sorry. Welcome back, Heather. I know, but if I wanted to, I could <laughs> sit here and just start spewing out Latin and like yeah. make there's, unnatural there's weird... noises and contort my body. I mean. You couldn't do Latin. You couldn't speak Latin now, but a lot of people back then could. Because sure. that, was, that was part of the studies. Yeah. Or that's how that maybe some of them learned the Bible at that time, depending on latin or greek yeah Yeah. what gotcha. type of religion because you know uh, us learning about the bible in a in a different language other than latin is relatively new true so yeah, i'll give you that point but that's about it but the other languages yeah. i wouldn't say i would say no such thing um i, I Heather, the story you're about to read right now is actually ties in just a little bit, just the smallest section of it kind of goes exactly with the story that I just read. Mm -hmm. And that's why I included that one, because it was like, oh, that's, that's weird. I've never heard that before. And then just looking into this episode, I saw it like two times in a matter of an hour. And it was just kind of it was kind of tricky. It just it caught my attention. Like, oh, OK. So if, if you're ready for the possession of Elizabeth Knapp. The possession case of Elizabeth Knapp is unique and strange in the aspect that it was documented and approached from a thoughtful and scientific aspect. I see what you're doing here. What? You're trying to bring a scientific view. I should have made you read that one, but I decided <laughs> against it. Right. You, you got another one. Knapp was the servant at the household of Samuel Willard, a prominent reverend in the church of Groton. Is that right? Groton? It's either that or like Groton, and I don't... Okay. I, don't, I think... We're going to go with like Groton, like Crouton, but with a G. Yeah. Got sounds it. Like Groton. A, it sounds like a monster in a superhero film. Groton. Right. The Church of Groton. There you go. This became an issue because Willard was known for his sermons about damnation and obedience to God. One sermon in particular states that the youth of the town should have been very careful because, quote, although God is ready to receive them, the devil is ready to endeavor them. 
While Knapp, a member of his own household, began to show signs of a demonic possession, Willard took a careful and scientific approach to the situation, which was rare for the 17th century of Puritan New England. He called in a medical doctor on several occasions and tried to find a cure for her symptoms. After they could provide no explanation for her fits, he declared that it was a case of possession. Throughout the entire process, as noted in his journal, Knapp seemed to have the most violent fits when he was present. Willard carefully and meticulously documented Knapp daily, from the night she first showed signs, Monday, October 30th, 1671, until January 12th, 1672. Willard states that Knapp at first began to complain of pains throughout her body. She would grab certain body parts, such as her leg, breast, and neck, and yell out, particularly about strangulation. She would go through emotional fits, sometimes laughing to the point of hysterics, weeping, or screaming out. Hallucinations then followed. On several occasions, she claimed to see two persons walking around her. Also, she stated to have seen a man floating around her bed. Spooky. Knapp also broke out into fits, particularly at nighttime, and convulsed on the ground. Then she tried to throw herself into the fire. Willard notes that on the first Sabbath, day after her symptoms appeared, the young girl became violent, leaping and contorting her body to the point where it took three to four people to hold her down. As she was throwing these fits, she would yell out the words, money, money, sin, misery, misery. Is that what you meant? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the same thing that It's before. a weird few, just random words to say, like same with the last one. The, the other one had what in it? Uh, it was money, sin, and I don't remember. It was too far up. I found that I found that very interesting, and I had to leave a note for myself to say interesting. Otherwise, I would have completely spaced. You're like, that's neat. Yeah, neato. I would I would uh, be curious to see what the pastures of the time were. The pastures, pastors. Oh, pastors, <laughs> and the pastures of the time. Yeah. Um, no, the pastors of the time, what their focus on their sermons were. You think money, sin, and greed, probably? Well, I mean, Which that's is still what the, still falls still, yeah. in line. You should, it's, it's still the, the bread and butter, sure. Yeah. Willard then documented that on the night of November 2nd, 1671, Knapp made a confession of meeting with the devil, a characteristic of most possession cases. She stated that for three years, the devil met with her, promising her money, youth, ease from labor, and the ability to see the world. She then claimed they had presented her with a book of blood covenants, which were signed by other women as well. She also said the devil had tried to get her to kill herself and others, Willard and his family included, but could not do what he asked. That's really weird, right? Just the, just that the meet meet up with the quote unquote devil, the repeating the same quote. These are two entire like similar periods in history. Sure, 1600s, I believe, but both of them have almost identical run-ins with a devil and the quotes that they're they're spewing. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes made me wonder what the sermons are. Yeah, if there's a commonality there, or this was just the way everybody believed in you know Puritan America. Yeah, there. But there's some fun, and we'll we'll tackle a little more at the end of the episode. But there's some fun theories that could branch out just from that and i'm excited to talk about them i'm saving some of my skepticism oh, for the end. i'm sure you are i'm sure you are she continued with fits and apparitions of the devil and various other spirits until the night of november 28th in which she had a fit lasting for 48 hours afterwards she was in a catatonic state until the night of december 8th in which she made the confession that after being assaulted by the devil various times she made the pact with him and allowed him into her bed. Willard's journal continued on to state that she, throughout the month of December... Get it together. I know, it's the first day back. 
Willard's journal continued on to state that she, throughout the month of December, goes in in and out of violent fits, one much more worse than the next. She talks in a strange, deep voice and made animal sound. It is also during these few weeks that Willard states, the devil, quote, talked through her body, calling him on a, a rogue minister. Just a, a minister on the run. Yeah. Sounds like, like a kind of hair metal song from the 80s or something. Minister on the run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a Ooh, song I'd want to listen to. I'm going to be honest with you. Done by a poison. That would not be a good song. The Willard's entries do not begin until January 10th, 1672, where he writes that he met with Knapp again. She confessed to him that the devil had control of her body and that he was much more powerful than she was. She stated that he also took hold of her speech and she had no control of the things she was saying. The next night, she went into a fit of hysterical crying and weeping in which she called for Willard's presence. The fits quote, held her late in the night as long as Willard tarried, which was more than an hour. I left her in them, and she continues speechless to this instant, January 15th. Till this instant. Supposed to be instance or till the instant? He wrote it uh, on January 15th, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. I left her in them, and thus she continues speechless to this instant, January 15th. After this night, Willard ends his documentation of the possession case, stating... He will leave it to those who are, quote, more learned, aged, and judicious than he was. Willard concluded his entries with a final four points in which he gave his final opinions about the validity of the possession case. In the first point, he stated that Knapp's distemper in no way can be counterfeit on the grounds that it was physically impossible to fake such actions. The second point refers to whether or not her temper was natural or diabolical in which he stated, because of the length of her convulsions and the strength of her fits, he believed them to be diabolical. In the third point, he concluded that, though many were skeptical on the fact that the devil talked through the girl, he was convinced. He stated on several occasions, she spoke with her mouth closed, her throat would swell up like a balloon, and the voices that he heard were not her own. However, in the fourth point, he said he has strong doubts about Knapp making a pact with the devil, This is because she is so contradictory about the facts and what happened to her supposed meetings with the devil. Willard went on to give several powerful sermons in the village of Salem during the Salem Witch Trials in 1692, as well as discredited evidence of conviction for several women during the trials, stating that the trials could be held in a, quote, fair and legal way. After Willard stopped entries into his journal, it has been a historical mystery what happened in Knapp. However, her case has been cited at and used as examples by various historians. Interesting. Again. That was, and a lot of same parallels with the first story, yeah. which either everyone had a pact to try out yeah, the, and the, seem possessed, the, or it falls in line with these stories have the same thing, could yeah. be the same thing. The thing that I found really fascinating about that was, I love this one so much because of the guy that was actually taking notes. Yeah. And the fact that he tried to make it like a, a little more scientific, he was trying to take document everything, make sure that what was really happening was really happening type thing. I thought it was really cool that he also alive and well during the Salem witch trials, and like trying to save some of these girls, trying to bring in. It could be fair. You don't have to just light them on fire. Yeah. I don't know what he ended up doing. Probably not much, but it, I mean, the fact that he tried is something, you know, I mean, and then doing all this, all those sermons during the witch trials, you know, what did he be all of a sudden become an expert because of his kept notes and he became a more successful pastor? 
Yeah, but it, it doesn't say what his sermons were on. He could have been preaching love during that time, been like, we don't have to kill these people. It might. Yeah. It, it would be interesting to go back and look up a little bit more on him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But but yeah, the correlations between that and the first story, there was just a lot for it being the same time period and everything. It would either be 100% a hoax or just like bullshit to scare people or something weird was going on during that time period. How's that saying? If it walks like a dog, acts like a dog. It's, it's, a it's possession. Yeah. Boom. Oh mental yeah. illness so everybody yeah. is just very sick in these times what you're saying yeah. uh, i think they're insane in the membrane i wouldn't say insane i just i just think there's very well documented cases of these things happening throughout time yeah well, i feel like and there's two things if you're spewing <laughs> latin and if you're like not making animalistic noises and contorting your body i'm gonna think you're insane or you're possessed yeah Let, let's go back to one other thing earlier on in the episode when scott mentions cuneiform tablets talking about things similar to possession mm, exorcisms yeah yeah so it could either be the same thing could be actual exorcisms before christianity a long time before christianity or it could be that mental illness has always been a thing in human but i, I mean i looked into the exorcism thing and i like the cuneiform tablets and those it was like an entirely different process. It was pretty much like they believed that they could extract the evil and then they had to take the evil out to the desert to release it. Like that's that's their form of exorcism. It was usually like either some kind of medical something or other and then they bottle that or whatever okay. and take it out into the desert and be like, this is where the demons go is the desert, which ties into a lot of beliefs about the desert and all that. There's a lot of fun stuff that ties together that I probably will never have the mental capacity to fully piece together. But it's it's fascinating how you just hear little tidbits about something and then it lines up with like a way that they did it in an entirely different time period. And that lines up with this. And it's like these weird things that just kind of play out the more you look into this stuff. Well, uh, what the saying the same phrase is what got me. Like, yeah. it's not like they were both just like contorting their bodies, making weird noises, like down to what they were saying. Those same words. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Yeah. Christian, you don't have to read that first paragraph. I'll, I'll give kind of um, actually, yeah, you can just read it. It'll make it easier. OK, this is from a Reddit submission. Scott, can you read that name? I'm a underscore request underscore someone underscore that has underscore. It's either Sorkajan or Sorkian. Oh, I went. What the hell was I reading? Probably not the word. OK, what was it again? It's either Sorkajan or Sorkian. Oh, I didn't even read this part. I'm oh, reading God. up there. That's literally the first paragraph. Dude. Okay. The following comment was submitted to an AMA request post on Reddit by using. Now I feel you like you just get up to that word and I'll, I'll pull it home for us. All right. I can say that word. I just I, was I reading. I was reading the. At first, I believed you could, and now I'm questioning. No, I was reading the address up, the source address above it, narrated by Christian. The following comment was submitted to an AMA request post on Reddit by user Sorkajan. The original post was requesting stories from people that had personally witnessed an exorcism and asked the following questions. What year did it happen? Who all was present? Was it documented within the church? What happened to the person being exorcised? Do you see anything paranormal or supernatural occur? So Sorkajan's response is broken up by these five questions. The possession case. A little backstory. My father was and has been a preacher and evangelist since he was about 20, or even younger, really. He's now 52. We were at a mission trip to Yulonsk, Russia, when this happened. It was a huge camp meeting, if you want to call it that. Let me first off just answer your questions directly one by one. What year did it happen? 
1993, it was a huge auditorium in Ulanovsk, Russia. Keep in mind, this was only a few years after the, the Lenin Tower was pulled down and the USSR was absolved. This being the birthplace of Lenin, there were either very radical extremist and militant groups or communist Lenin sympathizers. In fact, one day while my father was holding a doll that he'd bought as a souvenir, we were walking to Lenin's memorial and he had about 20 soldiers hold him at gunpoint. I guess they had received a lot of terrorist threat and were being cautious that there wasn't anything inside the doll. Who all was present? There were a lot of Russian teenagers and young adults. I think somewhere around 10,000. The place was just huge. Along with that, there were two other couples, along with one gentleman, all from America, that had been in Russia for some time. They were kind of like tour guides, so to speak. Was it documented within the church? In lieu of what I've already mentioned, there wasn't a church per se to document it in, so definitely not in writing. A lot of people were talking about it for quite a few months, even when we arrived back in the States. What happened to the person being exercised? She started shaking convulsively and fell backwards. I don't think she got up until about 2 a.m. that morning. Did, she, did you see anything paranormal or supernatural occur? Please keep in mind with all my responses that I'm not saying there is a God or there isn't, so take what you want from this. I was merely observing. It was terrifying as shit though. So my father is praying for this lady. There is an interpreter with him not being fluent in Russian. She is shaking and crying the whole time with her arms just lying down at her side. All of a sudden, when things start to seem to get intense, her eyes roll back in the back of her head and she starts speaking some language that all the fluent Russian speaking people in the area swore they had not heard before. And honestly, it didn't sound like Russian at all. She then paused after about 10 seconds of that, looked my father straight in the eyes, and I swear to everything that is holy, said to him in the most perfect American accent, in English, of course, in a man's voice nonetheless, this is my domain. You are not allowed here. You will suffer the lake of fire for your heresy. You read that very, very spooky, Christian. I appreciate you adding that. <laughs> no problem. Hey. When you get a chance to speak like a demon, you gotta, you gotta do it. Yeah, you sure do. Of course, this was a woman, probably mid to late thirties, scared the hell out of this eight-year-old. Like I said, this is not an advocacy for religion or against it. I've been in church my whole life up until I was about 20, at which point I thought it's good to have faith, but after growing up in it, I'm pretty much sick of church politics and how it operates. I'm not here for a religious debate. I am a proponent of science and all things logical. I just have my faith. Faith in its very definition isn't supposed to make sense. I also realize how hypocritical that sounds, but why I hate on someone else for wanting to live their life their way. True. So, uh, Christian, now that you've heard all of the stories in today's episode, um, let's take it over to what we're calling the skeptic stance. What do you feel about the stories you heard? I'll try to keep my mouth shut until you're concluded. As we saw over the summer break episodes, there are some things that have swayed me. I'm sorry. There's something. Sorry again. There's. <laughs> I know I said I was going to interrupt. <laughs> Here I am. Two seconds in. Christian just... starts talking. <laughs> are oh. you done? Oh. Yeah. Oh. No. Please continue. Okay, so over the summer break, we found out that there are some things I might believe. This is probably not going to be one of them. In my worldview, in my maybe religious views, it's not something I believe in. I don't believe yeah. in demons. We've talked about it before. I don't believe in the devil, you know, that kind of stuff. So, And I don't believe all the stories of some type of possession throughout time can't be the devil because the devil didn't exist in very ancient times. So if you want to go down a path that, yeah, there was 
uh, you know, uh, exorcisms or possessions back in ancient times, hmm. then it's some other entity that maybe later we made the devil. But I do love a good exorcism film. They're some of my favorites. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you. What well, What is it about exorcism films that like pique your curiosity then if you don't believe in anything? Um, part of it is, <laughs> is the what ifs and the good versus evil aspects of it. They're creepy as F. It is creepy. And, True. you know, I'm not anti-religious or anything like that. I just, just not necessarily where I go. I mean, yeah. everybody has their own thing. I did pull up something to exercise from the Greek exorcizine means to ad adhere, to make a formal command which must be followed by an oath of obedience. Hmm. The exorcist thus commands the possessing entity to take an oath that they will leave the host body. The practice probably predates the practice probably predates written history. Songs for charming demons away are recorded in the Book of Psalms and in the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Dead Sea Scrolls dated from 2000 years ago. Various forms of exorcism have been practiced in virtually all cultures for as long as we have history. That's really fascinating with the um, bringing up the Psalms bit, because you guys remember the finale from season one, Amanda was kind of talking about spell work, saying that it reads like, or saying that Psalms kind of reads like spell work. Mm -hmm. And so if that is like a practice of sorts, then you that know, could tie in. Yeah, like mm -hmm. it's the same, pretty much the same thing, right? Like if, if I always just thought they were poorly written songs, like it seemed like kind of right. phoned in. So, but, they were, so what, they're spells basically. Yeah. But the Psalms being spells to repel this stuff or to like for good or whatever it may be. But yeah, it was a very like when I heard her say that, I was like, that's really fascinating. I've never and I've never really sat down and talked to someone with those beliefs or anything before, you know. Right. But <clears throat> but hearing that in general, I'm like, damn, that would be something to look into for sure. There are spells, you know, in yeah. our early in the early Christian religion, as there were in other religions prior to that and since. So Another thing I came across, and this is some of this is from skeptoid.com, Brian Dunning. So classic. These some of these aren't my words, but I felt <clears throat> that they kind of explain things. Yeah. From a point of view, maybe somebody with more knowledge than me on subjects gotcha. like this. He, he talks about why some exorcisms may work. Um, he says belief is a key component of per perceived possession and exorcism. If all parties believe that the sufferer is possessed, going through the motions of an exorcism may indeed solve the problem in some cases. As this is a serious problem, because that simple fact can be used to defend the practice, which sometimes results in preventable death. Hmm. Which is an interesting thing. There's, and I can't remember the name of the website, but there's a long list on this website of people that have died during exorcisms. Yeah. And it, it goes up to just, you know, recently. So I mean, there's, there's a lot of exorcisms going on in this world, whether they're sanctioned by the church or, you know, by some local so-called religious man. Yeah. But they're, some of them in, include a lot of abuse and beating and stuff like that. I, you know, so, so you're not feeling it. I'm not <clears throat> feeling it. I do feel that mental illness isn't something that just came about, that it's always been with us. And we could go through many stories throughout history to show some form of mental illness. Yeah. And to people that are listening to sermons and preaching about the devil, that is going to be the first thing that pops into their heads. Anybody else, an, an atheist would assume that it's time to go see a psychiatrist during some of these things or a medical doctor. But if you're preaching 
and focused on the devil as they were in colonial America, your views are going to be different. Your beliefs are going to be different. And it's, you can document it all you want to, but that's not really evidence. That's still your perception in, in the case of a, of a, of a preacher back in the day, he's going to kind of go along with things that are going to help him. You know, it's just natural human nature. I mean, yeah. you want to, you know, you believe in God, you believe in the church, you're going to do things to support that. And oh, hopefully shit. most of them were good. I think we know most of these people were good. Yeah. Christian finally put it in a way that I'm like, I could see what he's saying. That yeah. makes sense. Because if you're sitting there and you're always in the church and mental illness wasn't talked about back then or really known for that matter. Yeah. Then your kid starts saying things and maybe because of hearing that from church, it goes back to that sermon. Like maybe they heard that money, money, misery. Yeah, keep chanting yeah. it and the parents are like all right call the priest right something's not that's the devil's work because yeah. they didn't know it yeah, could I have been something that. like schizophrenia i mean and we then don't know the contortions you know we've learned people can do crazy things with their bodies especially if they're in a manic state so who knows mm -hmm. I, it's more entertaining to have the devil or some kind of demon in you but the one in your head yeah. yeah it's nice. Yeah. Classic. Makes sense. So, so I'm not that, saying I'm agreeing with them. I'm just saying I, I see where he's coming at and I, yeah. I can get it. So is that, that's, does that conclude your, your points? Pretty much. Or does that span them? And again, it goes with almost everything I argue against. Yeah. There's no real evidence other than people telling stories. You would almost have to be there to witness it yourself in order to like fully grasp onto something like that. Like, would you, like, like, let's say you are in one of these situations where you see someone getting exercised and they have the uncanny ability to start speaking in multiple languages, right? Like, it doesn't have to just be Greek, like what you kind of touched on earlier, or um, what'd you say? Uh, Latin. Latin. Latin yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be those. Like, it could be, I was reading stories that, that weren't included in this episode that were, one girl, I think, had like five down on lock, and she was like 12 years old, didn't, right. didn't know anything, but suddenly is speaking fluent in Spanish, Latin, Greek, can't remember any other ones, but just the ability to do that type of stuff without having that, that type of education, where would your mind take you for that? Like, what, what would you hold on to? as an explanation for something like that. I don't know. I, uh, one of the things we've, there's been stories about people that have been injured or had a head injury and ended up speaking a, speaking different, a different language. language. Yeah. But how that, would that even happen? Yeah. That's that right there. And in those cases, I think are documented by actual doctors and scientists. Yeah, I've read a couple of those books. Right. And it's, there's, it makes no sense, but because it happened, it has to make sense somehow. Yep. Now, finding how to make that make sense doesn't necessarily have to be this crazy demon got into you. If if that happens, that knowledge is somewhere in you already. Yeah. But a demon could have gotten into you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we, if we, let's keep it open here. It could definitely be. Well, in one of our future movies by the Freaky Deaky podcast, when we Classic. do exorcism, to make it entertaining, you're going to have to kill the skeptic off. Well, and yeah. at the end, he's going to have to yell, I believe. So. I believe. Yeah. I believe. So, and then he then he drops Vanishes. through the floor in fire and yeah. suffers an eternity in hell. Classic. So yeah. I mean, we could we could make it fun, but it's it's just a really tough one. More so than you like just about anything for me to get on board with. I think, and and this is coming from someone that like I have gone back and forth on whether or not I believe the devil exists. Right. Okay. For me, the the fun theories and in, like involving that time period, like what a hectic time period that was. Right. The the late 1600s. These two stories at the beginning talking about making packs with the devil. Both of them have the devil was carrying around like a book of covenants, yeah. pretty much mm -hmm. written out in blood. 
Which brings me to like the new Sabrina, like the the chilling adventures of Sabrina or whatever it's called. Like their their Satan did the same thing pretty much. It's like you at a certain age you had to sign that that covenant yeah. book in blood, and then your soul belonged to the devil. What if okay, let's just jump into a world of imagination for a moment, right? Uh the devil exists. Let's play that card. In the sixteen hundreds, imagine the devil walking around. And just with a book full of names of, of girls and boys that were ruling to, you know, get rid of this shitty life they're a part of, sign their life away in blood. What a weird period in time, because like immediately after that, you have like the Salem witch trials. You have all this crazy shit going down at a time that the devil is supposedly walking the earth. That'd, right. be, that'd be nuts. Another thing you bring up, remind me to talk about a movie here in just a second. But first off, the first two stories kind of look like that time period's repression of women. And like, including their confessions on wh why they wanted to make a pact with the yeah. devil to get out of their boring, poor life. At that time period, men and preachers really looked down upon women, even more so than the times after that. That's one of the reasons why we had the Salem witch trials was if you had a strong personality or independent woman, or you just made somebody mad, you know, you were going to, you were a witch and you had a pact with the devil. But I don't, I don't know how it, if that it was that extreme, though, like that. It, it, it wasn't that extreme, but it really left a black mark. I mean, we still talk it did, about yeah. it. But see, for me, and this this will probably catch some flack. I'm not convinced that every single you know witch that it was just a bunch of women. Like I'm I'm as someone that believes in sorcery oh, yeah, and, and black magic and shit like that. I believe witches are a thing today. I believe witches were a thing back then. So some of them could have very well have been witches to me. Like I'm not someone that's like like a sympathizer on all counts, being like, oh no, everyone. So and that that could catch some flack. It may it may or may not. But look, that's the simple fact is witches are a thing. Even today, there's witches. There's self proclaimed witches, witches you know? have mm -hmm. it throughout history not been known to make pacts with the devil that is religious true paranoia. to an extent there's yeah. not not necessarily there's In, a, an entire book okay dude. we have thousands and thousands of years of people who are called or called themselves witches yeah they tended to be healers and just generally decent people yeah that you know, would do rituals oh, yeah, like yeah, they yeah. do rituals in church, quote unquote, white magic. Yeah, yeah it, it sure. There were, might be one or two bad ones in there, but the majority of them were nothing to worry about. A matter of fact, they were really helpful people. Yeah. But at this time period, as you get to this new land and uh, at that time, time point with the religious fervor, and it was an unhealthy type of religious view that then. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Very unhealthy. I just can see that this being more of a let's be afraid of women because they are the ones tempted by the devil, not yeah, not. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a generalization, but it just feels like there's a just a very obvious persecution of women yeah. during that time and there, period. There was no doubt. Right. I'm not saying that everything is you know exactly how they believed back in the well, day. Well, because Eve ate the damn apple. Let's start it there, which nah, I found interesting. That's, in, that's, a, there's that's a, a whole nother. Yeah, that's well, a, I found interesting in, in the, second, <laughs> yeah. one, the second story when I'm saying, I'll take your womanly pain away, which oh. is what the de they said that we got because of taking the apple from the devil. Yeah, possibly. So I was like, that's what we got because of you, and now you're just going to ease it up. That was his like, hey. I got you. Those menstrual cramps you're you. having, mm. I'll take them away. Yeah. Just sign my blood book. Oh. The movie I wanted to mention. Oh God, the witch. Oh, the the VV itch. Yeah, yeah, is a great movie to get you into the feeling of this time period. Yeah, and I might it deals need to watch with it. witches, possession, yeah. the devil. It's a great film. 
it creeps up on you and it just, but it's really good. Yeah. One point I wanted to make to you about the, like just witches in general, and you say like witches don't uh, with the devil, whatever, but <clears throat> one of the books and surprisingly it didn't make its way into this episode at all. Like I didn't use any of the stories, but one of the, the main story from that book, can't remember what it's called at the moment, but it's essentially written by a psychologist that has was hired for specific events from by the Catholic Church to come along and pretty much be a skeptic in the like exorcisms and stuff like that and deal with mental patients and right. and just differentiate between that's, the two. That's a, a big thing is they use psychiatrists yeah. to determine if it's actual possession. Yeah. But the one Catholic of the, Church does. The main lady in this book that he's talking about is this lady called Julia, who is a self-proclaimed like high priestess in this, you know, satanic cult group. And according to him. No, according to her, okay. like he, he says they sit down quite often and talk and stuff like that. And like she just opened up because she didn't want to be in the group anymore. But she felt like she was too far in and there's no way to get out. And she had these weird back and forth moments where it almost seemed like she was just toying with him for the sake of toying with him. This is a lady that this dude was like, she's levitated off the earth. She's like, I saw her pretty much do all kinds of crazy shit. She once showed up at I think it was his door in the morning. After his cats, like at 2 a.m., woke him up by fighting one another, just screeching and hollering and like throwing shit around. It's stuff that they, according to him, never do. Uh, when she showed up the following morning, she mentioned, she was like, oh, are the cats all right? Like she pretty much knew that the cats were were causing this hell during the night, pretty much insinuating that she was the, the fault of it. So this is a, a woman that is a self-proclaimed witch, uses the spell work, does all that shit, and is also involved in the church of satan like like just because you're a witch doesn't mean that you can't be like a satanist or anything like that like i think if anything you your familiars and stuff are quote unquote demons like, okay so if she's in the church of satan they don't really worship satan this these ones did i don't know what's it like i mean and sure, we've been over this okay dude. there's devil worshipers <laughs> but, but you yes. can't just say the church of satan or the modern satanic church are satan worships because there really aren't there might be people that are drawn to that or that became satan worshipers or whatever that were that you that might have been in that group from time to time yeah you know while i'm not a, a satanic church of the 70s 60s and 70s fan they were just you know basically all they did was have fun that's all it was about. You know, the mo the modern satanic church or temple that they, they will tell you they're not they don't worship Satan. They don't believe in Satan. They will tell you that. But why would they say, oh, yes, we worship Satan? And because like, they're, why would you? And we no, talked about this before. Why would you ever come like, like a news person is in your face like, oh, so you guys worship the devil? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. We don't worship the devil. Like you wouldn't ever just no, be flat out about that. It's it's according to them. And I and I would love to get somebody to come on and talk. We're to not a, talking to a Satanist talking <laughs> like, the satanic right temple. Yeah. I would love to have them come on and explain it to you. Yeah. Oh, and to me yeah. hmm. what their point is. But basically it is they don't believe in religion at all. Yeah. So th what they're doing is they're taking an extreme and showing you that in this extreme, almost everything is the same as, say, the Christian religion or any yeah. religion. And so they're just kind of like holding a mirror up to your face They're making it, whether, a parody. Yeah. whether it works or not you know i understand that it's not the way i would do things but um i i know i don't think there's there's no way i believe they're satanists do they have a couple yeah. that you know are in their group probably because you know well look christians have westboro baptist yeah so. okay so it's not like every every belief group is well i you and, know and spotless. i don't want to put any of those <laughs> like, things even on the same level as yeah. the west west 
Westboro Baptist. For those, sure. Those no. are, tend to be truly evil people that yeah. wrap up their, their venom and hate in a religion that never existed. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, is yes, you may know that there are plenty of quote unquote Satanists that don't believe in the devil, that don't do weird sacrificial offerings to the devil. But I'm saying there's probably equally as many people that do. I would and st- for those people, if on a stretch, if all of this is real, if the devil's real, if God's real, if all that stuff is real, then there's people out there actively stirring up evil in society. Or they are evil. Yeah, could be both, sure. But Satanism is not a real thing. It's a it's real not thing. This it's, a, national, it's a real thing. It's not this national phenomenon where they're going to come in and take your children and, yeah. and make us all go to hell. That's not a thing. There are Satanists, but it's not this national movement yeah. or a big group of people doing this. Yeah. What's... It's, it's just the same as you'd have. You have outliers that are a little kooky that yeah. believe some of the crazy stuff. And then you have people that are like, oh, yeah, I just don't believe in religion. It's kind of fun to have a group yeah. of atheists, and we call ourselves the Satanic Temple, and it freaks people out, and that's kind of fun, especially for younger people. I mean, a lot of them generally have a joke about us all the time, everybody. Sure. It, you know, they make fun of everything, and that's, I think it's great, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, yeah. It throws you off a little bit. So I don't know how we got here. Uh, we're talking about demons and possession and shit. It's going to happen. Um, final thoughts. Let me let me give. I'm going to throw you one story, one quick story that I heard once about an exorcism from the side of a nun who was there for the thing, and she claimed there was one person that was being exorcised that would not stop throwing up, hmm. like bile and like just weird shit forever like not forever obviously at some point yeah she did stop. You're, you're gonna she's be out still of stuff. throwing up to this day no um but to the point like the nun she essentially said we went in like bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket that she would literally just keep throwing up and it was stuff that she didn't even eat there's nails there's weird just weird shit inside her vomit like i don't know how you do that physically or with the powers of your mind or science but weird I just wanted to, I wanted to share that with you. Thank you for in sharing. Case you, in case there was just one thing that was holding you back from believing in exorcisms and demonic possession, I just wanted to throw that. Just so you could latch onto it if you want. You could throw it back to me if you want back. No, thank you. I'm good. Buckets of vomit. With yeah. Buckets of vomit. Yeah. With I nails. Like to, I would like nails. to tell you that I won't throw anything back at you. Mm-hmm. I might throw up something. Now that I have Is these images of bile yeah. mixed with nails and other yeah. stuff that someone may not eat. Thank you for that image. You're welcome. I will treasure that. Would you have preferred until like, season three? Would you have preferred the stories like people walking up walls or shit like that? I would prefer pictures. Oh well, there are there are strange pictures from exorcisms and whatnot. Some you probably got to comb through them to find the bullshit. But yeah, uh, but yeah, those those definitely exist. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are pushing an hour and a half on inaugural season two, episode one. Um, it's no longer inaugural, but I guess the episode is so. Uh, final thoughts, Heather, what, what do you have to say about demons and possession and exorcisms and the Holy Ghost? I mean, I find it very interesting. <laughs> like I said, the story from my grandma, like it's always piqued my interest. But yeah. again, I can't. I mean, I'm not super religious. I'm more yeah. agnostic myself. So I just kind of keep it to where like, I don't know if there's a God. I don't know if there's a devil, but. But I don't want to experience. That. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. No thanks on the demons. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely interesting, though. Yeah. And then I also wanted to throw in before we close out that if you're a fan of the genre, 
everyone if they can leave a leave an Apple, you know, review. That would be fantastic. Be nice if you don't like us, just don't say anything. You don't have to speak up. Yeah, yeah. Just if you're a fan (laughs) and you want to help the show grow, it's the best thing you can do right now. True that. Also, you know, like you said, subscribe to YouTube because the videos are pretty dope. You guys are putting out. They are. They're pretty dope. We're having fun with them. Good job. So if you want to put faces to the the voices, now's your chance. And sorry in advance. Yeah. Um, Super socially. Yeah. Awkward. So. (laughs) What What about you, Christian? Final thoughts closeouts i think i've said enough i mean yeah. i think everybody knows my views on this um yeah. you know all i'd like to say is welcome to the to the segment of the show where scott tries to close it close it out yeah i think you're gonna find that i'm a little smoother in season two with the closeouts and i will just say this um demons are real exorcisms exist and they work sometimes if you believe if you believe you gotta believe and now that you've thrown me off of my a game Let's close out this episode. Yeah, as Heather mentioned, you know, socials, all that fun stuff. If you have a story uh, with exorcisms or just demons in general that you'd like to share with the pod, we would love to hear it. Email it into the gang at thefreakydeaky.com. And uh, I can't have any fun with this ending because Christian ruined it. So we will see you next week here on the Freaky Deaky. Goodbye. Okay, I have to be so. <laughs> When you guys are like, I have another stroke. congregating in my mouth.